0: Good to see everybody. So um, Rick and I were trading some texts this morning, and I thought I would just share part of that uh, with you. So he he says, make pre-gathering prayer a priority. We've done that. Check. Uh, We've laid hands on and prayed for the worship team and and for me teaching. Um, But then he says, um, I will be on a hill over the ocean at that time, Ecola State Park, pleading for the rain of the Spirit to fall on you all as you gather today. May the Spirit fall as you stand to speak, and may He fall again as our people begin to worship Jesus is Lord. And uh, I wanted to share that with you. And, and, and then He sent me this amazing picture of the waves, wave after wave, that He was looking at on a sunny day at the coast. And uh, those waves, too, are, are signifying of the Holy Spirit. And that God, this is something that God wants to do for His people, is actually um, not just rain down His Spirit upon us. But part of being made new again is being born again of the Holy Spirit. And he wants his Holy Spirit to overflow from us, from within our souls, uh, as we've been made one with Jesus. And so that's what I'm praying for this morning, that um, in our worship, in the teaching, but also that all of us would be full of the Holy Spirit and participating in what God's doing this morning. So we are going through the book of Ephesians and uh, we have gotten through three of the chapters. The first three chapters of the book of Ephesians are just jam-packed with who God is, what he has done for us through Jesus, and therefore who we are in him. And so last week, we uh, wrapped up with this slide that talks about who we are in him. And one of the things that I felt and that I observed in others, and I think Greg, maybe even you had said this is that it, it it's one thing for God to say that we're his holy people, but it sometimes doesn't feel like that or maybe we don't believe that. And, uh, and yet in Christ, we are holy and blameless. We are God's possession. We are the faithful. And, and I don't know about you, but my problem is uh, when I look at myself or if I'm to trust my own thoughts, um, I look at myself and I go, I am unholy. And sinful, and so there's this disconnect between what I think and what I feel, and what the Bible says to be true about me and about you in Jesus. That I'm in fact unfaithful if I if I look at myself um, without looking at Jesus, right? And even God's handiwork. A lot of times we don't feel like we are God's handiwork or that we are His beautiful piece of art. Um, but the reality is that we are, and our own minds tend to deceive us to not believe that. Um, and even others will tell us <laughs> that we're not these things, and for sure we have an enemy Satan who is constantly accusing us and saying, no, Derek, you are unholy and you are unfaithful and you are re- not, not chosen, you're rejected, and you are not near to God. You are far from God because look at how sinful you have been. And the reality is that he is a liar and that God is true. And um, our holiness, our faithfulness, the fact that we've been chosen, the fact that we are the family of God and that we are God's beautiful piece of craftsmanship is all true because Jesus Declared it to be true. And through his finished work upon the cross, we have been made these things. We were separated from God, that's true, but also we've now been made one with him. We who are far from him have been brought near to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we are one with him, uh, we are in him, and he is in us, the Bible says. And so we are now these things. And that's really what Paul is starting to get into as we transition through the end of chapter three and into the rest of the book of Ephesians, is he's going to be praying for the church at Ephesus, uh, but also exhorting them, "Guys, I want you to live like this is true." So that's what we're going to be focused on this morning, and uh, I'm going to back us up just a little bit um, to the end of chapter three. Because Paul at this point is in a, a prison's prison, and he is writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, and he's just spent all of this time over the first two and a half chapters talking about really how amazing Jesus is and how much he loves us and therefore why we are these things up on this board. And he says in verse 14 of chapter 3 of Ephesians, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So Paul is in this prison cell, and after laying out all of this amazing theology, he's saying, I'm, I'm actually on my knees in prison asking God that he would help you to know this and experience this is true. That you would know the height and the depth and the width Of Christ's love, and that in so doing, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. And I think if most of us are honest, there are lots of times we're like, yeah, I don't feel that. But this is Paul's prayer for us, is that rather than focusing upon how we feel, or even what others say, or especially what the enemy says about us, that we would instead choose to receive that which God says is true in Christ that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's interesting that he says, uh, and to know and experience the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So knowledge tells me that I'm unholy and that you're unholy. <laughs> but, but his love surpasses that knowledge. That where sin abounds, grace actually abounds more. And so he's saying, I want you to get outside of your own natural thoughts and what you know because the love of Christ surpasses that. And in fact, you are all of these things because of God's love through Christ. And then he goes on to say, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we at, all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, the Spirit, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's like this boom. Boom. <laughs> Uh, dropping the mic, this powerful kind of exclamation point saying, here's my prayer and I pray that Jesus would be glorified in the church. Amen. And you're like, okay, like that's the end of the book, right? But it's not. He then transitions and he wants us to focus on, okay, so if this is all true and if this is his prayer for us in terms of what he wants us to know and experience, then how do we actually help one another and how do we actually live this out in a practical way and so that's what the rest of the book of Ephesians is about and so in chapter 4 verse 1 he says therefore I a prisoner of the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called and this this idea of calling is actually invitation Uh, so I'm I'm wanting you to walk worthy or live a life that is consistent with all of this truth that I've just laid out before you. Same consistent with his prayer that he just prayed. He says, I want you guys to walk worthy of who who you now are in Christ. And that, my mind naturally goes to, okay, here it comes. I've (laughs) all this nice stuff about who Jesus is and what he's done, and now I've got to get to work. That's not really primarily what it's saying. We will get into some very practical things over the next three chapters, but he's really just saying, hey, hey, you guys, I, I want you to live lives that actually reflect the fact that you are holy and blameless. Not that you feel holy and blameless, but that you are in Christ, that you are faithful, that you are God's children, that you are redeemed and chosen, that you are God's craftsmanship. And that you are near to God. And so he's going to get into how we do that, but you know, you, you kind of picture this. You know, Paul saying, Hey, you guys, I'm I'm on my knees in a prison cell praying that you guys would really receive this. And then he says, And in light of all of this, I'm begging you guys, I'm urging you that you would walk worthy. Of this that you would actually live lives that um, are, are focused upon Jesus and not upon yourself. so um, that's the challenge, right is, is most of the time I'm thinking about me uh, or I am um, believing the lies of my own flesh or the enemy, and life following Jesus is a constant process of ourselves going, no, that thought that I have, that I am unholy and sinful, is no longer true. But in fact, I am holy, and I am blameless. And not only doing that with ourselves all the time, (laughs) of going, okay, that's not from God. What does God say, and who does he say that I am in Jesus? But it's a matter of, doing that with one another and helping one another and so the beginning of chapter four is going to talk about us as the church and going here's how i want you guys to do this here's how i want you to live and behave and interact with one another in light of this truth because we're here to help one another um, go deeper and deeper in walking in the truth of who jesus is what he has done and therefore who we are and how we we are to respond so he goes on so uh So in light of his prayer, in light of the first three chapters, in light of his urging us to walk worthy of this reality, he's saying, uh, I want you to, um, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bear with one another in love and unity, essentially, because there's one God, one baptism, all of those things. If we really receive the truth of the gospel... That Jesus has done all of the work and that he has made us all of these things in him, uh, and that we are now one with Christ. um, What it does is it changes the way we view ourselves and it changes the way we view one another. So um, rather than looking at myself and going, Oh, I nailed it today, I woke up early, I read my Bible, I brought my wife coffee. I was nice to my kids, I crushed it at work, so God must be really, really stoked with me today. Or the flip side of that, going, oh man, I'm such a failure and I messed up and I didn't have my devotions and I'm doing all this sinful stuff, um, so God must be really, really bummed out with me today. Neither of those things is true. God doesn't love me more if I perform, nor does he love me less if I fail. Because who I am is defined by Jesus and his work upon the cross and the price that he paid for me, who he says that I am. Likewise, um, I'm not going to look at you and go, ooh, Tom crushed it. He was here this morning. He set up all the chairs perfectly, which he did. Um, <laughs> yeah, crushed it. Um, but but, I, but I, you, don't, you don't look at somebody and go, oh man, they're so holy and they are the perfect husband or the perfect father and um, put them on a pedestal and idolize them in an unhealthy way, we don't do that um, because the same truths of the gospel are, are there for them. Nor do we look down on other people and say, ooh, I perform at this level, you perform at this lower level, therefore I'm looking down upon you. The gospel knows nothing of that. And so, The appropriate response to walking in a manner that's worthy of this truth is that we treat one another with humility and with gentleness and with love and with unity. Um, Sadly, I think a lot of times in our flesh, we look for reasons to divide, right, and to put in different camps. And the gospel actually does the exact opposite (laughs) and says, no, you, you all... We're in the same boat apart from Jesus without a hope in the world. But in Christ, you're actually all invited into this unity. And therefore, um, he brings together really different people with really different gifts and diversity. People that may not otherwise have love and unity and humility and gentleness and relationship. And he says, you guys are all one because you're all part of the same story of God's good news through Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So now he's going to get into, you know, kind of from here's how you are to treat each other to God giving us gifts to serve one another. According to the measure of Christ's gift, therefore it says, quoting from Psalm 68, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So he spends a couple verses now talking about this kind of complex, so if he ascended, he had to descend first, and then he ascended, and there's lots of different theories on what that means. Did, did Jesus actually descend into, like, uh, hell, essentially, at the time, and preach to those people and leave people captive? And ascend? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's, it it's, it's, it's not the main point. He's just quoting the whole verse and then kind of explaining, okay, there's, here's this part. But the main thing he's getting to, I believe, is he gave gifts to men or mankind. And so he's going to start talking about here are the gifts that God gives to people. And he used Psalm 68 to get there. Does that make sense? <laughs> so so, so I'll, I'll read the ascended, descended ver- verses, but don't worry about it. <laughs> In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Okay, that's the descended, ascended part. It's scripture, so it's valuable. I'm not trying to devalue it, but I don't understand it, so I'm skipping it. (laughs) And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, and it goes on, but I'll, I'll stop briefly on these five roles of leadership within the church. Uh, so apostles are um, kind of, if, if you are the person who is a little bit of a visionary, and you go, boy, I'm looking at the city of Sherwood, and I'm just really thinking that this is what God might be doing in Sherwood, and you're kind of going, this is or this is how God might want to reach the Portland area, and you're kind of gathering all those pieces and observing that. That's kind of apostolic in nature. Um, so, like Chuck Bomar, uh, the founding pastor of Colossae, is kind of he he operates in this area of gifting and leadership. Um, the prophets. So, actually, when I was thinking of prophets, um, I was thinking of Consuela, and she often is just sensitive to, like, what is the Holy Spirit doing or saying in the situation? And then speaking forth that in kind of a leadership way to people um, for the purpose of edification, exhortation, and comfort. And so um, it's just really being aware of, like, what is the Holy Spirit saying or doing in this situation? And then speaking that forth in a, in a leadership setting. Uh, evangelists, you kind of know what evangelists are, but it's not just the people who stand on a big stage in a stadium. It's, But it is probably the people who want to reach the lost and want the kingdom to be packed with as many people as possible and just kind of driven by that. So actually, that I kind of fall in that camp of, like, I just want to always talk to you guys and unbelievers about Jesus. Um, shepherds. Uh, so this is like a pastor. This is Rick to a T. <laughs> Um, just, just so in love with God's people and wanting to care for them and see them do well and leading them in that way. Um, and then uh, teachers. So the person who came to mind for our body uh, is Jonathan, where he's just really uh, a great student of the scriptures and can, like, see all of these nuances. And he probably could teach you on the ascended-descended thing. Um, <laughs> But, but, uh, so, so those are the leadership roles and God says that these are gifts to the church. And what's interesting about that is you could say, okay, so Jonathan is this teacher and God has entrusted him with this gift. So imagine him holding this, this wrapped gift of teaching and he could enjoy that and embrace that and be fulfilled personally by that. But that's not why God gave him that gift. God gave him that gift so that he could give it to you. And that is what, why God calls and gifts and anoints with his Holy Spirit various leaders within the church is actually to minister to everybody so that we can all be equipped to do the work of ministry so that all of us can go, oh, well, if your gift is teaching, God has given me this gift to be entrusted with And so I get to use that gift to give away to the rest of the body in service to it as well. And so he's going to start talking about that dynamic next. So he gives all of these leadership roles to equip the saints, that's all of us, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God To mature manhood or personhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, Paul's really into this fullness of God, fullness of Christ. I really, really, really want you guys to to experience this reality and live it out. And so, he's saying one of the ways that he does that is he gives leadership to equip the whole church so that we might build one another up, so that we would um, serve one another with the gifts that we've been given um, so that we can attain unity in the faith and so that we can attain kind of a, a maturity or a stability um, in the faith as well in Christ. One of the things that stood out to me is that it says, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain. Attain. And so in this thing that we call the church, it's, it's easy, frankly, to say, ooh, well, you know, Jeremy's doing pretty well. Um, and so, hypothetically, hypothetically, hypothetically yeah, <laughs> J- Jeremy's doing really well, but, oh, this other person is really struggling. And it would be easy to go, ooh, kind of lose hope of what God is able to do with that person who seems to be struggling more than others. And it would be easy to go, okay, we're going to spend our time over here. Um, or, or even we're going to spend all of our time over here, and God's saying, actually, the, the whole thing is that we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so, inherently, that means all of us. That means all of us. And so... Um, That would make sense, right, if we were living lives that were in sync with this truth. But sometimes we don't believe that about ourselves, but also sometimes we don't believe this about other people. And so we go, ooh, I I just, I don't think there's any hope for this person, so we're just going to leave them behind. That's not God's heart at all. He actually is willing to leave the 99 to go find out the one. He's the one who tells a story about um, joyful celebration over finding a lost sheep, or a lost coin, or a lost son, especially a lost son. And he's the God who seeks and saves those who are lost. And so um, that's what we are to do as the body, is make sure no one gets left behind. (laughs) To help one another say, okay, I don't believe these things about myself right now, um, but man, Nate, Spoke actually spoke some truth into my life this morning, and just go, go. No, actually, this is what God is saying about you or through you this morning, and that's what we do for one another. Is is not only do we ourselves in our own minds go, okay, this thought is not from God. God, tell me what is true. But we do that for one another, with our various giftings and relationships, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And so rather than believing all of the hype uh, of our own flesh, of our own minds that, that may be off, rather than believing um, what others might say about us, or even what, you know, marketing and just culturally what it says about us, um, and especially rather than believing that deceitful, destructive, condemning voice in our heads that is the enemy, uh, rather than that, that we would speak the truth in love to one another. And so it's not coming and just kind of beating you over the, your, head, your heads with the Bible. It's actually coming to you and going, you know, all of this truth that Paul gave us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church of Ephesus, I, I, want, I want to lovingly come alongside you and go, this is what's true about you. And, and so therefore, you, don't, you should not feel any condemnation. You should not feel uh, unholy or sinful. We can come honestly and say, yeah, but sometimes I do. But then we help one another go, yeah, but let's look to the cross. Let's look to the empty tomb. Let's look to the scriptures to actually say, believe, believe, walk in and live out what is true so that we may grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every point with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love Uh, as an evangelist I I have a, a tendency to go okay let's pack this place um, and that would be great. I think, I think we would love to have that happen. But what Paul is talking about in terms of making the body grow is actually not that we grow a big population of church at this point. He's talking about growing up big people within the church who, who are known by God, who are loved by God, who start to walk and live out increasingly who they are in Christ and then start to... Um, minister out of the overflow of that to one another so that we're all built up in maturity, in unity, in the faith, in the fullness of who Jesus is and what he has done. Jesus said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's, that's Satan. That's the enemy. And he wants to tear us down. He wants us to get sidetracked. He wants us to believe the things in our own heads and Um, He wants to ultimately lead us down a path that is muted, that lacks confidence, that is just kind of ho-hum, but Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And um, when you're a Christian for a long time, you can go, yeah, but my experience is just like, Christianity is pretty good, right? But um, Jesus wants to give us fullness of life. To, to actually have us receive his truth and his love and his spirit. And as we just receive that, to be so overwhelmed by his love that his living water, his Holy Spirit, just starts to flow from us. That, that we don't have to strive to do that, but we just receive from him and actually, actually really receive this. Last week, uh, when Rick shared this for the first time, I was just kind of acknowledging in my own mind, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I really believe this, um, and I was just being honest, um, but I actually looked around, and I think a lot of you looked the same way I did, <laughs> where, where Rick was up here, and he was just so full, so full of love as a pastor, and, and just really speaking this out over us, and we were just kind of going, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And, uh, and, and my heart was kind of broken for all of us, kind of going, oh, man, that's terrible. But then I looked at the text that we're teaching this week, and I was just going, this is so good. It's, it's, it's so good that God says, I want you to take a week just to sit on that one thing that Rick was sharing with us at the end, just that one prayer that Paul was praying at the end of chapter 3. And as you transition into the rest of the book of Ephesians, I want you just to receive this. This is true about you. And therefore, our confidence is in Jesus. And we can, we can worship freely. And uh, even as I was preparing, I was going, oh, God, I don't know. I don't know if I, I'm the person to share this message because I feel so unworthy of sharing this. And, and Nate this morning was just speaking a word of boldness and confidence and courage in, in Christ and who he is in me and through me. Consuela spoke a word of prophecy over me, saying uh, essentially something similar of wanting to minister out of this place as if I had never sinned. I'm going, okay. God, this is for us this morning. And um, this is an exercise of taking our eyes off of ourselves. Because that's where we get tripped up, right? We go, oh, but I'm not that. Uh, And turning our eyes upon Jesus and recognizing that because of who he is, because of what he does, or has done, because he says that I am these things and I am one with him, these things are true. And so I'm just going to receive them now. So I'm actually going to ask my wife... Sarah, to come up and uh, sing a hymn along those lines, and if you would just um, just quietly with the heart of reflection, just bask in the words that are sung and just receive them, one of the ways that we turn our eyes upon Jesus each week is we come to the tables of communion. He said that we are to do this often in remembrance of him. So it's an opportunity for us to actually (laughs) turn our eyes away from our weakness and our frailty and turn our eyes to to who Jesus is, what he has done, his body that was broken for us, his blood that was shed for us, to make all of those things on that slide that he said in the first three chapters of Ephesians true. And so... um, Let's come to the tables of communion. Peter and Consuela are going to come up in just a minute, and uh, we're going we're gonna to receive. And then part of this life is not just receiving from God, but then responding in overflow from him. So um, let's do that. Let's come to the table. Let's receive. Let's remember. But then let's pour out in worship to him because he's worthy of that worship and praise. So Jesus, you are faithful and true. That's, that's actually who you are. That's your name. And because you are faithful and true, we can trust everything that you say is true about us as well. Because we are one with you. So I pray for our family now that your spirit would just overflow. That we would receive your love, your truth, your grace that we would be able to take our focus off of ourselves, even just for this, this, these few moments, and set our affections on you, to set our minds, our hearts upon you. Help us to worship with knowledge. Help us to really think about the words that we're singing and um, just receive them as, as your word. So we praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.